This is the Hack the Future podcast, the human stories behind courage, purpose, and imagination. Join your host, Terrence Mowry, who will guide you on the journey of reimagining the world as we know it. Change used to happen as a breeze. Now it feels like a Category 5 typhoon. Three big waves are reshaping the future. One, the changing role of business in society. Two, the shifting nature of work. And three, the role of leadership itself. It's time for all of us to step up and reimagine relevancy for tomorrow's world. Today, I'm delighted to meet Rachel Treese, who's the CEO of the Henker Institute. Henker, by the way, is a Japanese word and it means change, evolution, and transformation. And I love that. And its mission is to be a catalyst for leaders to scale the best and boldest versions of themselves, writing new playbooks and asking better catalytic questions to embrace a better future. Welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. Very much indeed, Terence. Pleasure to be with you Ah. from sunny Luxembourg or not so sunny Luxembourg. It's great to chat again. And today we're going to dive straight in with some really um, what I call catalytic questions to energize our listeners. And I wanted to start straight away with um, Henker Institute. And I love that name. And it would be great to understand Mm -hmm. more about what Henker means, what the mission of Henker Institute is. Um, So yes, tell me more. I I absolutely will. So so Henker came in a little bit of a dream around about three years ago. As you know, I've worked in learning and development and leadership for many, many years. And it really struck me that very often our organizations are often putting a sticking plaster um, mm. on the actual cause. So true. Um, and I started to to do a lot of research about, you know, organizations and, and, and systems. Mm. And in mm. fact, if you think about the two words, corporation yes. comes from corpus, a body. Yes. And organization is about organs. So, mm. you know, both the terms for for businesses are actually linked to to the human body. So yes. it's a little bit like, you know, the, the you know, leadership training can often be a sticking plaster which can solve mm. some problems, but what we really need is to change the system. So it's a little bit like going to the gym yes. and, and working out. And hanker itself is a Japanese mm. word, I believe. It is. And the dictionary definition of hanker is change or variation, but yes. it's the meaning of transition. Um, yes. So the passage from one state to another. So so that's why it was called hanker, because it's about mm. transforming organizations and making so, them performance in a sustainable way. I love that. So, I mean, so relevant. Every leader, every organization mm. is going through, yeah. uh, you know, massive rapid change, mm. faster contexts to deal with so faster reinvention and yeah as i was i was as i was researching henker institute um yeah tell me more about henker institute's mission so so our mission is really to to change the people yes. in organizations and by changing the people and their mindset within organizations it is really about making organizations sustainably performant yes you, know, you can have performance but often performance isn't sustainable so our mm. mission is is really at its core 
is about making companies sustainably performant through yes. leaders. Mm. And in a very sort of practical sense, maybe for a listener who hasn't uh, received yeah. any type of coaching before, mm. you know, you know in, in, in very practical terms, you know, why would a leader want a coach or need a coach? Yeah, so, so Daniel Goleman um, years ago discussed several leadership styles and, and one of the most powerful leadership styles that he described was a coaching style of leadership. Yes. And unfortunately, a coaching style of leadership is not one that can come you know, naturally, whereas you know, being autocratic or some, you know, some people can sort of swing into those. Mm. A coaching style of leadership, you know, doesn't necessarily come naturally for most people. But you know, what is coaching? Coaching is about suspending judgment. Mm. It's about communication and connection. It's about deep listening and yes. listening at the most powerful level of listening, not mm. listening to talk. Yes. Um, um, so it can be powerful in you know many different aspects mm. of, of, of organizations from um, you know well-being to diversity and inclusion yes um, so, so for us uh, and covid was probably our biggest gift in some ways at the Henker institute yes hierarchies are collapsing yes um, the whole state of, of systems and organizations is changing mm. so a coaching leadership style is needed more and more it's it strikes me that um yes it's kind of like liminality that people have one foot in a sort of pre-pandemic world and, and and one foot in a post-pandemic world and that that yeah. uh, idea of liminality creates i think uh risk but also opportunity uh, for, yeah. for leaders I, I even came across a distraction prevention coach recently in the oh, US. <laughs> because I, yeah, distraction <laughs> prevention coach. And the, 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 the purpose of that type of coaching is to help people protect their attention and well-being. Mm, interesting. interesting. Interesting, isn't it? Yes. Heard of that before, but... <laughs> exactly. So and in so in terms of um, some of the big leadership issues that Henk Institute are researching and tackling. What are the big ones that are sort of coming out over the last uh, seventeen months? Yeah, so for example, well-being. Any other? Any other big ones? Yeah, so 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 I would say that well-being and diversity and inclusion are probably two of the sort of major um, yes. issues, um, as well as obviously you know hybrid hybrid working and, and, yes. and you know, what what that is going to mean. So. Um, you know, I think during the COVID experience, we had the Black Lives Matter. So we've mm. certainly got a huge amount of clients, particularly in the United States, that are really keen on the work that we're doing um, um, in diversity and inclusion. So yes. instead of it being a, um, oh, well, let's talk about um, this minority group and that minority group, we're mm. trying to approach it from a really holistic perspective yes um and using communication and connection and suspending judgment mm. to make to, to to foster true inclusion yes um, yeah. there's such yeah. a i think such an important point this i came across an interesting phrase recently which really mm. resonated with me which is this idea that uh, diversity is a fact inclusion is a choice and this big question that leaders are having to wrestle with which is how do we scale uh, cultures that you know are truly mm. 
inclusive and you know, get, get, achieve what I call high, um, high ROI, not just return on investment, but return mm. on intelligence, return on ideas. Yeah, and I yes, I, I, I wanted to ask you, um, how important is the power of questions for listeners, uh, for um, leaders? The power of questioning is 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 critically important. But I, I think, you know, one of the things that, you know, people learn on our program is, is how to phrase the questions. Yes. Because if you phrase a question and you start with why, for example, there mm. is there is some judgment in that question. Mm. Why did you do that? Why did you do this? Some defensive behaviours. So, so it can create exactly. So, phrasing the question in the wrong way can actually be detrimental, and that's why coaching leadership needs to be studied and practiced. Yes. So, instead of "Why did you do this?" you know, what was the impact of doing this? Yes. What are you learning from this? Yes. So, um, Steve Hamilton Clark, who's our chief coaching officer. Yes always uses the phrase and he said you know let them hoist their own sails mm, you know like and it's a, it's a little bit you know parenting you know can also benefit from 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 this as opposed to doing and shuffling in and, and micromanaging yes you know, what if the person is perfectly capable of doing this and just needs to reflect yes. on on how they grow and and what they're learning and on what to do next so mm. Yeah. Questions are so you know, so they mean so much to me as well. Um, in fact, you know, often um, in my own coaching and talks, I I, yeah. I, I I ask the question, "What's the bravest question you can ask today of yourself mm -hmm. or your team, or what questions do you want to be remembered for?" And this idea that when we're operating in, on the sort of edge of uncertainty, actually, you know, questions probably matter more than answers. I couldn't agree more. And you've, you've highlighted a really important word, uncertainty. Yes. And, you know, we are in uncertain times, mm. um, you know, even more so. So so questions can be very powerful and, you know, for executives, very, um, you know, reflective. Yes. Um, of, of who they are and, and the climate they're creating. Yes. Um, I, I wanted to ask you, mm. uh, this is a really... Um, I think a uh, powerful question to ask and it will really resonate with all our all our listeners which yeah. is and just the you know, sort of some really practical um themes here so for example what tips have you got for and this is it's so situational but work-life balance over the last 17 months you know our lives turned upside down everything changed that you know mm -hmm. the, the office changed people changed priorities changed all of a sudden you know everybody's having to work from home so many demands and have you got any practical stories or tips from your from your own journey um in terms of work-life balance so i mean this is this is this is me personally yes. I, I think we as um human beings we are tribal um mm. in nature and and what we're going through whilst you know there is some talk of hybrid working this there's no real 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 end in sight this is a journey yes um so we're tribal by nature um and what i've noticed in the work that i do is you know there is a lot of um suffering out mm. there um you know uh, executives and, and people working in organizations yeah so so how can we um 
look after ourselves? How can we um, be more present? Yes, and, such a key, um, key word, I think, fully present in the moment. How can we be, absolutely. How can we be fully present and, and in the moment? And I think it's about, um, you know, what I do is I try to just have 10 minutes yes. every morning um, for myself. I've just gone to YouTube and I, you know, find different types of, you know, meditations, et cetera, and just yes. really try and listen and and be be fully present. Mm. Um, the other thing that um, uh, can be very, very beneficial is something called positive intelligence, which is a little yes. part of the Henker model. Mm. Um and what positive intelligence is, it's about before you go into a meeting, mm -hmm. um, either listen to maybe the furthest sound wave, if you're somebody who's quite auditory. Yes. Or if you're a visual person, just focus your attention on something. So I'm focusing my mm -hmm. attention now on a piece of paper and look at the light and where the yes. light is and what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, or if you're kinesthetic, maybe put your fingers together and feel... Um, Feel your fingers. And... This feels quite hypnotic, Rachel. Yeah, it's kind of hypnotic. Um, <laughs> I like but, it. But, you know, nobody nobody can say that they don't have two minutes yes, in a day. Exactly. So, 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 yeah, using positive intelligence throughout the day, I think so. That's a, a really, really, a really good one, and that segues really nicely. I, I saw one of your, I read one of your uh, LinkedIn posts today. It was yeah. a really good one on four actions for transformational leaders. And the first yeah. one was practice new mental models, yeah. uh, work from the edges, share leadership more systematically, and make empowerment live up to its promises. I think those are four really great takeaways for our listeners. Do you want to share, um, you know, add, to, add to those, you know, so add to, um, you know, for example, practice new mental models. What do you mean by that? So, so new new mental models is just shift, shifting the way in which we 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 think, shifting the way in which we um, think, and the way in which we 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 are. Um, oh, how can I add some more to that? Um, it's kind of like challenging assumptions, or um, you know, for example, you know, sometimes mindsets become outdated. You know, so some of the work that I'm involved in at the moment is kind yeah. of moving from bossed to unbossed or hierarchies to networks absolutely so so i mean one of the people that i interviewed on on my podcast flex in the city martin cuff talks about um nodes and, and connectors yes so again you know rather than having hierarchies which are definitely collapsing mm. it's about how can you you know who are the nodes in the organization who are the connectors in the organization and mm. and, and how can we use nodes and connectors to make an organization more um more powerful more successful in the game back to being sustainably yes um, yeah that's such an important point um this, this idea of networks you know wide networks deep networks and it seems to me that over the last 17 months especially yeah. with the kind of moving to remote uh, being yeah. in crisis mode that um the research shows that the kind of the stronger ties they're still there but the weaker ties which were so important for serendipity and and learning on the edges they seem to have suffered a lot more yeah and yeah now, uh, absolutely yes have you experienced but, uh, that you know, so you know it's funny some people have said to me you know how do you find coaching over zoom how do you yes. find leadership training over zoom and I actually think those kind of um, um, 
um, interactions, interventions actually work beautifully well over over Zoom because you've got you can look into people's eyes, you can see what's going on, you can split people into you know breakout rooms, all of that. Yes. But um, and this is where what we're missing. Mm. What you are missing if you're not socializing mm. um, is the feedback loops. Yes. Um, informal feedback loops are deeply powerful mm. um, to an organization. They happen in our body. Mm. You know, we have um, feedback loops going on all the time in our body and, and mm. they're required in an organization. So whilst there are some enormous benefits um, yes. to, to doing things remotely, there are also some really enormous benefits to, mm. to connecting. Yeah. it's if, if our listeners wanted to... Um, practice uh, use some of the sort of techniques of of coaching and and actually focus on self coaching yeah. where would they where could they start or uh, do you have any kind of practical tools or techniques for people to coach themselves for people to coach themselves it can be quite tricky to yes. coach yourselves self um um but you know one question one could always ask every day is you know what is my what is my intention yes. for the day? That's a, I like yeah. that. How do, really I want, how do I want to sh- how do I want to show up? Yes. What is the climate that I want to create? Yes. Um, and you know the way in which we show up and the way in which we um, intent uh, the way in which we have intent is so powerful as a leader. Yes. Um, so, so the climate we're creating and our intention um, can 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 you know words change worlds, don't they? Yes, um, it's uh, such an important point. I think mm-hmm. this idea of intention and purpose, and yeah. for me, purpose is a you know a simplifier and a clarifier and mm-hmm. an energizer. And I think if if somebody wanted to to use some of the techniques of coaching and just apply them to themselves quickly. Yeah, think about your purpose. Think about where your energy is being allocated, or even your attention. Um, yeah, so I mean, we're, 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 we are energetic yes. beings, aren't we? Yes, Terrence? it's all about energy. Yes, exactly. That sort of transfer uh, or allocation and protection of energy as well. I, I wanted to ask you, you know, in terms of the risk of burnout, which mm. is so on the rise, especially with um, remote. It seems that. Yeah, a lot of um, interesting surveys coming out from Gallup, for example, where I think it was like over 50 percent of people said that they they felt the pressure to be available all the time. Mm. And I think it was like 60 percent agreed that they were working, you know, six to eight more hours a week from because they were working remotely. And what are your insights or, you know, in terms of burnout and um, the risk of that and managing that? Yeah, so so um, you know, I, I'm personally familiar with burnout. My husband experienced burnout um, around about twelve years ago. He'd worked for American banks for many many years, yes. um, and um, I just became really curious when he had his burnout. Well, hang on a minute, you know, he's he's been um, you know working long hours for such a long period of time. What has now shifted? What has caused um, this 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 burnout? Mm. And my research um, took me down the path of learning. You know that it is about you know the way the system 
is set up. It yes. is about um, communication. It is about a connection. You know, it's the same thing every single time, Terence. Mm-hmm. Um, and if if the system isn't able to communicate and isn't able to connect, then toxicity. Yes. Like it does in the human body. How did he? How did he kind of recover and move forward from that? Yeah. So I think he was fairly lucky and managed to recover relatively quickly. Mm. Um, I, I bought him a book um, called "The Joy of Burnout." Actually, and there was a wonderful, yeah, "The Joy of Burnout," and there was a wonderful phrase in there that will stick with me to this day, and it yeah. said. Burnout is the soul's way of whispering that it's time for a change. Wow, that's powerful, so, isn't it? It's very powerful. Yeah. Yes. So, um, you know, for, for 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 him now, and for for you know, for any you know executive, it, it is about um, you know having those moments where one can be present. Yes. It is about being very aware self-aware of our saboteurs we all have saboteurs we're all born with saboteurs that are there to protect us it's the fight or flight syndrome they're there to to you know protect us and you know you find a lot of people um in business maybe they've got hyper achieving uh saboteurs Uh, maybe they've got pleasing um saboteurs um you know maybe they've got restless uh, saboteurs you know they're all different kinds but yes. these these um subconscious animals will mm. will drive us to distraction and and in covid time you know they mm. they become louder for many people i mean i can relate i can relate to that as well it's you know yeah. you go through different you know, different cycles different times in your life and yeah. and yeah. sometimes you absorb too much and like you say you stop listening you stop sensing you stop being in the moment you always always become disconnected and i think the technology is uh, there's really a dark side to this technology this uh i call it the uh attention extraction economy uh where these companies are kind of hardwired to uh extract your attention and you pay a cognitive tax on that and and an emotional one Absolutely. It's a wonderful Netflix um, uh, movie show yes. um, episode called The Social Dilemma, which I'm oh, sure yes. your listeners, uh, you know, yes. which is fascinating, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. That's a really good reference point, actually, which is check out The Social Dilemma. Tristan Harris, um, who's the founder of the Center mm. for Humane Technology. And I think he used yes. to work at Google or yeah, and he he's, he's yeah. basically gone full circle. And really, you know, if you've got kids, uh, even if you haven't got kids, it's it's a great, um, great mm. um, resource to check out this Center for Humane Technology to how to kind of mm. uh, take control of technology rather than mm. control uh, technology being in control of you. Yeah, yeah, no, great, great. Definitely um, a recommendation. You reminded me, actually, like um, there's burnout, but I actually came across another extreme, bore out. Um, so oh yeah, I, yeah, in Paris. yeah. I've got, I've got, I've got somebody who called me about Borat this yes. week. Actually, oh, brilliant. Yeah. yeah, he's an executive um, working for um, a, you know a large financial services organisation, yeah. and I was chatting to him, and uh, and I said, "You're bored." <laughs> yeah, well, it happens. You are, it? you are bored. Yeah, mm. um, and, and me sort of blurting that out to him. Well, yeah, he said, "You're absolutely right." 
Mm. You're absolutely right. Yeah. I think such a, an important reflection point for our listeners, which is yeah. you know, be, you know, hold that mirror up uh, and for yourself as well. Where are you on that um, journey? Mm. And are you still learning? Are you still curious? Are you still uh, you feel passionate and aligned with, with the mission? Because it's very easy to get disconnected from that or indeed suffer from bore out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I love that phrase. Yes. <laughs> well, the the, intro, the funny story from Paris was uh, an employee actually managed to sue their company successfully for bore out, and they won through the courts thirty thousand euros. So for our listeners, there's actually a, a financial yes, there's a financial <laughs> risk as well if you if you uh, allow your employees to uh, to suffer from bore out. Yeah, and, what, and, and I think, you know, that, that, that point about Borat, what I'm noticing, because, because actually it wasn't just one, it was two cases that I, I saw last week. And it's it's where the organisation isn't actually adopting a coaching philosophy, which, mm. as Steve Hamilton Clark says, is about let them hoist their own sails. Yes. These were two extraordinarily competent mm extraordinarily well paid yes um uh individuals that weren't being allowed to do their job mm, incredible yeah and 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 you just wouldn't expect that at that level but it, no, it happens no. at every level that's the that's yeah. the point isn't it mm. very interesting mm. I, I wanted to um ask you about women thriving in and leadership roles and and uh, and you, you know, get your you know share some insights from your own journey. You're a you know successful CEO, and for our women listeners out there, um, are there kind of any insights or stories you'd, you'd like to share? Because I know this is a, a topic close to your heart. Yeah. So, um, women in leadership. Um, I, I think I've been very very fortunate that um, I worked for organisations that were extraordinarily. Um, pro um, women yes um so um you know I, i've never really felt personally any discrimination mm. um about being a woman yes um i probably felt um more discriminated um against you know because i came from a you know a lower middle class northern mm. um family yes. um so, you know, when I started work, you know, I probably felt, mm. you know, with, with a lot of my public school friends, oh, yes. I'm, I'm not quite as, 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 you know, I'd got a saboteur that was saying I, was, I wasn't quite as good as everyone else. Was so, that sort of self-imposter syndrome kicking yeah, in? Yeah, a little bit of an yes. imposter syndrome back in the day, I think, yes. when I was younger. Um, so, you know, when I'm, when I'm coaching and mentoring, you know, women, it, you know, off, there's often um, an imposter in some way, shape or form. Mm. Um like the one that I experienced um, myself. So, so I think I've been fortunate. Um, as you know, I'm passionate about um, DNI in general, and and actually yes. one of our coaches um, who is non-binary, um, they were um, they 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 said something really fascinating or brilliant last week, and and yes. actually talked about a quote from Eddie Izzard um, oh, yes. who, who kind of gender. and as Eddie Izzard had apparently uh, said you know my name's Eddie Izzard I'm transgender <laughs> yes. and I make soup <laughs> yes. um, and so when when there's true inclusion the response is and what kind of 
Um, and what kind of soup do you make, Eddie? Yes. Very so, so the point is, is when we stop talking about women in leadership, mm. and when we stop talking about non-binary, and when we stopped, that's when we've that's, achieved inclusion. That, and, and, and it seems to me that we're making good headway, but there's actually still a long way to go as well. I, yeah. I, I, I came across a, some shocking stats, you know, 5% of the of the world's leaders are women, just 5%, um, FTSE 100, FTSE 500, out of Fortune 500, I think 23 women, uh, women's um, CEOs. And there are more, there are 17 Johns uh, on the FTSE 100 CEO, uh, which is more than the uh, wow. women CEOs. So there's a the, the, this like you say this is something that you cannot pay lip service to or you know, it requires daily courage daily action um daily daily discipline it requires daily courage daily yes. action and it actually requires um men it yes. requires Great point. um um it requires men who are deeply um supportive of, of women yes. and the role that they they play yes. um and i think i've been really fortunate um you know that i've worked with a lot of men that are you know very pro pro um women very pro so 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 very very equal in their um, um thought processes yes. and mind um some really uh, yeah, fantastic points and coming to the final couple of minutes of our, um, our time together i wanted to a question that i know some of our listeners um uh, reflecting on is what what is the what is the big difference between a coach and a mentor uh, hmm. and then this the follow-up question would be um if some of our listeners are thinking about um identifying a coach for themselves mm -hmm. or for their team yeah what are some practical steps for them to to do that in a in a, in a smart way Okay, very good. Um, so the first question, sorry, remind me of the first question again. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the first questions. one is... It's... The first rule is don't ask too many questions. <laughs> yes, <you're okay>. yes. <laughs> it's, it's to do with the coaching versus mentoring. Coaching versus mentoring, right. So coaching versus mentoring. So, so the big difference between coaching versus mentoring, and we're back to let them hoist their own sails, is, is in a mentor role, you may be giving some advice. Yes. So you may be saying, actually, um, Freddie, mm. um, a really good idea might be for you to reach out to Johnny, mm. um, who is in this role in the organization, and that could really um, assist. So, yes. so mentoring um, is more directive. There's yes. more telling yes. in there. And it would, sounds to me as if it would be, it's a good idea to have diverse uh, a diverse network of mentors and like a you know somebody somebody who's a challenger or a uh, ideas mentor or a challenger mentor or different types of mentors can be a good thing yeah absolutely and, and both mentoring and coaching have their um have their place so yes. um i do some mentoring for for the university of, of luxembourg yes. and and I'll be very clear when I'm mentoring and I'll be very clear when I'm coaching yes. so that, so that um, the individual is, is clear, um, you know, what I'm doing and, and mm. the reason I'm doing that. Coaching, of course, is much more about, you know, let them hoist their own sails. Yes. You know, it, it's that individual's life. Mm. Um, you know, this is about, you know, what they want uh, yes. to do um, and for them to go dig deep um, and for them to, to, to find what's inside of them yes. and, and, you know, 
and then mentoring can't really help so so it's yeah. and it, it reminds me of this uh, this idea that you know, often we're blind to our own blindness uh, and yeah. i think a great coach can also by asking uh, great questions can yeah empower yeah. somebody to identify for themselves their, their blind spots and uh yeah and that's a really good really good point terence mm. it is about identifying blind spots and and yeah um digging deep yes. within themselves yeah and so if, if a listener is thinking okay i i i you know i'd be in i've never uh, you know, had any formal coaching before how should i go about finding a, a really good coach what uh, what would be the sort of final yeah. practical steps yeah. So, 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 you know, fundamentally, um, you know, a, um, a great coach should be qualified. That's yes. the first thing, um, you know, uh, that they've had formal training. I, I think it's less so in Europe, but I certainly know um, from some of my uh, clients in the US that one can call oneself a coach having had two hours of training. So, yes. so finding somebody, you know, who's who's well qualified is, yes. is important. Um you know, maybe um, if, if if you're working for an organisation, you know, a, a coach that, you know, understands business and some of the challenges of working in a corporation or organisation, I think that would be important. Yes. Um, fundamentally, fundamentally, chemistry. Yes. It's really important. Um, it's the, just like doing chemistry, uh, yeah, it's sort of different names for it, but like a chemistry uh, meeting or you yeah. know, get, get, a, get, a, get, you know, get a get a sense of um, that person before committing. Yeah, get a sense of that person. You know, is, is this person the right fit? They might be a brilliant coach, but just not quite right for you. Yes. Um, so, so getting a coach that... Um, really is able to connect with you is 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 critically important and and is able to help you with your own journey um and move you forward and this apply you know for our listeners who um may consider themselves you know the the absolute uh yeah, peak performers this equally applies to them doesn't it to have a coach Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, to be, to, be honest, to be honest with you, it's, it's the peak performers that probably need it even more. Yes. Um, because, you know, if you are a peak um, performer, you know, it, it's then about either stretching you or sometimes actually um, the coach getting very, very curious as, as to why you're doing um, a thousand things when actually you should be maybe be focusing on two. Yes. Um, for, for a high performer that is restless. Yes. Um, I think it's such an interesting point, this idea yeah. of, um, you know, th there's many leaders, and, and we see it throughout history, that end up suffering from egocentricity or narcissism mm -hmm. or hubris. And the, yeah. they, 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 like to, they want to remain blind to their blind spots. And that can have massive consequences, thinking about Lehman Brothers, for example, or Enron. Mm. Or even Boeing Max Seven Three Seven, you know, where there there was a culture of silence rather than a culture of speak up. Yeah, and that that you know perhaps a, you know final yes. point um, is around the creation of the safe space, and that's yes. probably you know my own biggest coaching um, lesson is that you know if the safe space is is created, you know, and if, if I was coaching you now, yes. Terence, you know. You know, we create a safe space where I'd say, you know, um, Terence, do you, do you allow me to be really direct with you, or maybe tough with you, if if if, if appropriate? So it's getting that permission um, to to be able to support that um, human being. Um, 
it's it's been it's been uh, really enjoyable today to uh, tackle some of these big challenges that our leaders are facing uh, with you, Rachel. And I wanted to, to thank you for joining the show. And are there any kind of final calls to action, final words you'd like to uh, final words of inspiration or calls to action that you'd like to listen uh, leave our listeners with? as they prepare for the next couple of months where there's still so much uncertainty. Mm. Uh, we were talking ourselves, uh, you know, weren't we about, you know, holidays and is it possible? Is it not possible? Are there any kind of final thoughts you'd like to, to leave with our listeners? So, so I think, you know, we are living in a world of uncertainty. That's the, for sure. Um, you know, first and foremostly, you know, it is about looking after our, um, body yes. <laughs> um, and 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 mind and our and our our system. You know, as a, as human beings, we need to be sustainably performant, yes. and as organisations, we need to be sustainably yes. performant. So, so my call to action for both individuals and organisations is is um, you know that 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 is the ultimate goal sustainable performance and that's where coaching can help both individuals and a coaching culture in organizations very good rachel tree ceo of fts global and the henker institute thank you so much thank you very much for having me terence <laughs> today i learned about the power of coaching it's a powerful catalyst to be more aware of blind spots. Remember the saying, we are blind to our own blindness. I think one of the best ways to harness coaching and harness uncertainty as a tailwind for reinvention is to be a lifelong learner. Are you a learner or a knower? Do you have a fixed mindset, which means look smart at all costs, or a growth mindset, which means learn at all costs? Be more lobster. For a lobster to grow and change, it must break out of its shell once a year through a transformation called exodysis. The lobster has to show both courage and vulnerability in order to change and grow. I think it's a powerful metaphor for any leader who wants to scale a daring, inclusive and resilient future.